God. An exciting day today. Our youngest are going to lead us in worship today. And so the only requirement is you have to do all the motions with them. Uh, EMTs are at the back of the, so you can, we have oxygen, we have uh, liniment, uh, all kinds of things. But we're going to, we're going to worship the Lord today. Before we, why, why are the kids doing worship? Huh? Why are the kids doing worship? I don't know. Why are the kids doing worship? Pray tell. Why are the kids doing worship? <laughs> oh, good morning. The kids are doing worship because we're starting a kids crusade today. That will be throughout um, August, and we're going to be discovering the miracles of Jesus while he was on earth. So we are all here to lead you guys in worship so you guys can get a little taste of what we're going to be doing upstairs. Now you can. Oh, I can do it now. I have just a, a special, I was just handed this, and I want to make this announcement right now because we are going to be celebrating Mark the calendar, uh, contact Christy Butterworth about this. You've got to see this picture. 50 years together, and those two kids in the back of the car, it's just, it's just priceless. September 2nd, and it's going to be an open house from 1 to 4 at the Delaware County Fairgrounds Log Cabin. They're going to start off in the same kind of housing that they started off 50 years ago. It's a, it's a, them and Abraham Lincoln. And uh, there's see Christy or Mike, probably better see Christy, and uh, for details, and they'll have some more information for you. Let's stand together and have a word of prayer, and you get your muscles all limbered up for our worship time together today. Heavenly Father, once again, we're thankful people because we're a saved people. We're a people who have been called out of darkness into your marvelous light. That there are treasures that are there for us to discover in your word, the miraculous touches that you bring to our lives. We pray today, Father, as the kids are launching their kids' crusade for the next several weeks, that, Father God, that we would jump in with them and celebrate who you are and the miraculous God that we serve. We pray your hand to be upon us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Empty cross, the empty grave Life eternal 
for the kids. And a special thank you to Pastor Carissa, because as you could tell, me and Phil have no idea how to dance. So it wasn't us who taught them that. Oh, you may be seated. Thank you for the ones that are still standing. That's, that's so sweet. Sorry. That's very sweet. Hey, um, my grandfather's not here today. Oh, hi. If you're a guest with us today, Andy, this fine gentleman right here, is going to be coming back, and he has some information cards, if you can fill them out for us and drop them in one of the offering plates. That way, yeah, raise your hand. Sorry, that forgot that part. Um, that way we can, you know, stay in touch with you, and you can keep in touch with the things that are going on here at Trinity. Can we get a round of applause for our guests? Well, the the last two weeks um, have been a little different. I haven't been here to see you guys, so I don't know if that's a good thing, a great thing, or just a thing that I'm back. But I'm glad to see you guys again. Um, I had the privilege to um, be a youth counselor at Camp Psyker, and I had probably five or six of our youth students in my devotion group that we did every evening. And it was just, it was such a blessing to be able to see the work that God did in their lives over those last 10 days. And we were able to, we were talking about building a foundation in Christ and staying rooted to the word of God. And I feel like over those last 10 days, there has been so much change in their hearts and in their walk in faith. And I'm just so excited to see what this next year brings and even more so. So I was very honored to have that opportunity. And Psyker went amazing. As you can see, I'm a little lighter. So that was a great time. Thank you. Um, like always, we have Wednesday services here at Trinity. We have a 10 a.m. Bible study that you can come and attend. And we are going through the book of Romans, as well as we have evening activities starting at 7 o'clock. Um, you can get here early for the youth cafe. But we have rangers, missionettes, uh, adult Bible study youth, and we'd love to see you come out and spend your Wednesday night with us. As well as if you are a youth student, we have Wednesdays with Cha-Cha at the pool at 1.30. So 
So if you're feeling a little warm, come hang out with Cha-Cha, and that would be a good opportunity for you to cool off. August 27th, right? Okay. August 27th, we are having a church picnic slash baptism at the Williams Estate. So Marsha Williams' house, she has opened that up to us again. I think we did one last year, if I'm not mistaken. So if you feel like baptism is something that you need to do in your your walk of faith and that you're ready and that's a commitment that you want to make, please make sure that you sign up in the lobby. That way we can get you on the schedule for that day and we can work things out for you. I think that's all the announcements I have for today. If I missed anything, please read your bulletins. That's why we print them. Um, <laughs> if you want to join me as we re-enter a time of worship and stand on your feet, I want to see everyone doing some motions, okay? I saw a few of you getting into it, but I need everybody. Oh, yeah. So at Camp Psyker, we had a missions goal that we had to meet for the youth. Um, and I set the bar kind of low. So for if they brought in $1,000, I would shave my beard off. And obviously that happened. And if they brought in $1,500, I would shave my head as well. Now, when I was asked about how much I wanted to set the limit to, I was told the previous year we only brought in $900. So I was thinking that this was, you know, it's a good goal, but it ain't going to happen. Well, we brought in over $2,000 for missions, and I became bald. So <laughs> praise God for that. All right, let's reenter a time of worship.
child of God on my worst day. I'm a child of God, oh, every day is a good day. Slay 
Applause for our kids and our leaders. Round of applause. Praise God. I don't have to worry about any of you running around or anything now. You're exhausted. Praise God. I have a couple other special announcements. We want to, as a body, express our condolences to the O'Neill family. This past week, Dwayne uh, passed away. That's John's brother. And uh, a memorial service will be held here this Friday at Trinity. 4.30 in the afternoon is a fellowship visitation time and then the service at 5, and there will be a family meal uh, following that. And so we're looking for volunteers to assist us with bringing in side dishes for the, the family meal uh, on Friday. So uh, we're going to be making arrangements today for other aspects, but those are the details about the, the gathering memorial service this Friday, 4.30, visitation and fellowship and then five o'clock the service also i have something very special here today i was given this you say well that's kind of an old ragtag bible isn't it yes it is dear friend of mine and a dear friend of trinity bruno gladkowski passed away this last year and um, his grandson, R.J., came down and brought me his Bible. And uh, those of you who knew Bruno know that he was a feverish note-taker, an underliner. Entire books of the Bible are <laughs> underlined in this. But I, I, I have this Bible and another of his Bibles, and... R.J. said that uh, Aline wants to share some of his favorite books with me as well. A dear friend, home with the Lord right now, but remembered. And so I'm going to have this up here at the pulpit uh, while I'm preaching each week, just as a reminder of uh, the faithfulness of God's people. Amen? Amen. 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 Would you stand with me, please? And did you notice that there were several portions of Scripture we're going to be looking at today? And uh, those of you who have an electronic Bible can just punch and you're there. The rest of us have to uh, work a little harder at it. But I gave them to you in advance, so uh, hopefully you're there. Would you turn to Proverbs 22, the 22nd proverb... Uh, verse 28, Proverbs 22, verse 28. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Then this is an easy one. Just turn the page to Proverbs 23, verse 10 and 11. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is mighty. 
he will plead their cause against you. Deuteronomy 19. Deuteronomy 19 and verse 14. <clears throat> you shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Father God, today, as we look at some ancient landmarks, speak to us of your landmarks in your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Years ago, when I was asked to go up and be the director at Heartland Conference Retreat Center, I mean, this is totally out of my field of endeavor. I've pastored for many years, but running a conference retreat camp facility was not in my skill set. I was a little fearful, but the Lord impressed me I was to do it. I had led family camp for a number of years, but this was totally different, running the show. So my first day on the job, they took me around to show me all the landmarks and the borders of our property. Now, several hundred acres, and it was carved out of multiple farms and parcels of land. And so it was zigzaggy all over the place. And I had to be taken, we had to have machetes with us because the landmarks had been overgrown with weeds and trees and whatever. And I'm trying to take notes. I finally smarted up and went to Google Maps and Googled the area. And then on my Google Map, I could, from the satellite, I could see where we were. And it was, it was, it was just terrible. I mean, zig in here, come back out this far, 22 paces that way, there's another marker. But it was important to know where the markers were because what wasn't inside ours belonged to someone else. And you could get into great jeopardy if you encroached on somebody else's property. I don't know how the zigzags of that border and landmarks came to be. I wasn't around for that. All I know is it was thoroughly confusing, but they were set, and I had to find out where they were. Landmarks, borders, boundaries. It's important to know where your boundaries are, amen? How many of you would like to go home and find that your neighbor had decided to uh, do some excavation work and it was over in your side of the of the yard and they decided to erect a 20-foot tall barbed wire fence and uh, right through the edge of your garage probably wouldn't be thrilled one of the bitter memories I have growing up is 
we live next door to my grandparents. Now, that wasn't the bitter memory. The bitter memory was my grandmother was, well, we'll talk about that later, but she was blind, but she became convinced that my father had built a tool shed on her property in the back. We were right next door to each other, and it appeared that the tool shed that Dad had built, and he had built it by himself, and it was there. It was a really nice tool shed. Dad was proud of it. But Grandma was convinced, blind, she couldn't see. She'd never been out to it. But down deep in her heart, she just knew Dad had encroached her boundaries. Well, it got to the place where my father had had enough. And so he called out someone to survey the property at, at that time, great expense. My dad was not happy when he found that, yes, it was six inches over the boundary line. He was even less happy when Grandma said, move it. That created a situation that was untenable for us grandkids because we weren't allowed to tell her anything anymore, but she would always ask. Boundaries. How many of you have ever had a border or a boundary dispute with some properties? Isn't that fun? Isn't that just such a fun thing? Six inches. <laughs> Oh, it's a theme. It's a theme. But the fact is that if it's six inches the wrong way or the right way, depending on how you look at it, there's boundaries. When the people of Israel came into the promised land, and I have a, a slide going up here about it, they had some boundaries set up by Moses and by Joshua that the boundaries of the tribal areas were established. Imagine, if you will. <laughs> How many of you have maps in the back of your Bible? Turn to them. Go ahead, turn to them. And look for one that has the 12 tribes listed. How many of you have one of those? You found one in the maps. There's Dan, Issachar, Manasseh, all the rest of them. It's not that hard. Anybody find any yet? Well, you're going to take my word for it in a moment. I can't delay much longer. <laughs> But uh, the various tribal lands were all over the place. They had a stack of rocks here and a pole there and the foot of a mountain over there and a set of trees over here. And they were very erratic boundaries, but they were established. And you can read all about it in... If you really want to, it's kind of a boring read. Uh, 
But you can go to Deuteronomy and you can go to Joshua and you can go there and find these, these marks for the boundaries of the tribes. <laughs> there they are. I knew they were there. You see all the, the boundaries and the lines and the squiggles and some got a big parcel of land. You say, wow, that was great. Mostly desert. Uh, when you get up to Nephtali, you have the, the Sea of Galilee. You have the Jordan River running through the middle. And there were tribes on both sides of the land. You have the Dead Sea, which was not great waterfront property because it's dead. And uh, Judah and Simeon and and, but the, you notice also there are other people on the other side of the boundaries, right? Philistia, where the Philistines live. And then you have the Moabites over here and the Ammonites over here and Basan. And you have the Syrians and Assyrians and all the rest surrounding Israel, but they had boundaries that were set. And the scripture is very clear that you're not to move the landmarks, the boundaries, the boundary markers, for good reason. You need to know what's your turf and what's somebody else's. Now, the Philistines were always trying to encroach on Israel's territory, and many of the battles were fought over those lines, over those boundaries. But there's a price to be paid when you violate somebody's landmark, somebody's territory. Deuteronomy 27 says this, verse 17. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say, Amen. Well, that was pretty good. I got some amens without even trying. It says there's a curse on those who, do, who move the boundaries that take away or encroach on someone else's property or who move the landmarks that establish the boundaries. There's a what on them? A curse. How many of you think it would be good to have a curse on you? You say, well, I don't believe there's such a thing as a curse. Well, we're going to go Bible here. The Lord says... There is a curse on those who move his neighbor's boundary, landmark. And let's practice it. And everybody was supposed to say, Amen. Amen. There were consequences for moving the landmarks and the boundaries. That consequence was a curse. People who had encroached in these areas were living under God's curse because of what they had done. Well, Pastor, you, you believe that there are still curses today? How many of you believe the Word of God is still true? I, I think it does. Look at history. In 70 AD, the Romans came and destroyed the temple knocked down the Temple Mount and the, all the buildings that were there, and they took on the people of Israel and scattered them throughout the world. 
they said, you no longer have a home. You no longer have a land of Israel. We're going to rename it after your uh, Philistine friends. We're going to call it Palestine. We're going to name it after your enemies. And it will be known that ultimately for a couple thousand years. The Jews were scattered. They had no homeland. God declared that that land belonged to Israel. God declared that this was his mountain, that it was his place. It was for his people. He had declared that it didn't belong to someone else. Now the mighty armies of Rome took it over, but they were operating under a curse. As time passed, you say, well, it appears that there was no curse because the Roman Empire grew and expanded. But as Rome tore down those ancient landmarks and boundaries, ultimately their sin and internal corruption destroyed them as a nation, as an empire. And today, Israel is back on the Temple Mount. They're back worshiping God in their land. And Rome is just a footnote in history. God set his mark upon that place, and those who tore down the ancient landmarks were under a curse. Ruler after ruler has tried to tear down the, the landmarks about the Jews and God's people. You remember old Haman? Haman was a Persian, and he decided that he was going to get rid of the Jews. And he persuaded the king to destroy and to kill every last Jew in the Persian realm. But he was ultimately hanged on the gallows that he meant for the Jews. And Israel lived. Hitler swore that he was going to remove the Jewish people, God's people, from all of Europe. But he committed suicide in a bunker, and Israel, the people of Israel, live today. It was our privilege yesterday, well, the past couple weeks, up in the apartment, the missions apartment, Rock of Israel uh, was staying there because they had two uh, venues going on. They were going to be uh, exhibitors at the general council of the Assemblies of God downtown, but also they're witnessing and having a booth, and they have it even today at the Ohio State Fair. I just talked with Robert Spector, the head of Rock of Israel, this morning. He was getting ready to go assist. He says they've had hundreds, hundreds of people that have come up, Jews that wanted to find out about Jesus, still thriving, still growing. Rome no longer exists. Hitler, not around, nor his legacy. There's a curse on those who take down God's boundaries. There's a curse. I believe spiritually that the Word of God tells us that if we bless 
Israel or the people of Israel, we will be blessed. Genesis 12 says this, Get out of your country, Abram, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And here it is. I will bless those who bless you. And I will, shout it out with me, curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do not remove the ancient boundaries that God has set. We have a situation going on in our world today of people have decided, well, Israel doesn't need to exist anymore. They've called it unto account. But I'm going to side with Israel. How about you? I'm going to side with the Jewish people. Being Jewish does not save you. You still need M Messiah Jesus. But don't put yourself on the wrong side of God's boundaries. Don't put yourself in a place of cursing those that God says you're to bless. You say, well, Pastor, it's an interesting history lesson. Thank you very much. Yawn, yawn. Uh, let me get back to my nap. But just as certainly as there are landmarks and boundaries that should not be moved scripturally, there are spiritual landmarks and boundaries that should not be overthrown. Boundaries that God has set, that these are God's area and the world's area. And we should not tear down those boundaries, church. We should not be a part of blurring those boundaries, of making them so that they are of none effect. People and nations are removing God's standards, God's boundaries between light and darkness and are living under a curse because they've done so. A curse with God's word and power to back it up. I want to look just briefly today at some of the spiritual boundaries, landmarks that have been removed. First of all, the boundary line of salvation has been removed by our world, by our culture, and even by some who profess to be the church. According to some, we're all saved. No need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the world. Bam, completed. Therefore, we have no debt to sin. We're free. We don't have to repent. Well, then throw out the entire New Testament because the Word of God tells us that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That Word was written after Calvary after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's still in play. We're all sinners, 
and we all need a Savior, and the only thing that can wash away our sin, the sins of any individual, is not a document, it is not an attendance at a building, it is the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our sin condition, and if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you must take action upon this reality. But people have tried to blur the line. Well, a loving God would not send anyone to hell. No, he does not. He made hell for the devil and his angels, his demons. Anybody that goes to hell goes by choice, by rejecting Jesus. When you cross the boundary, you're under a curse. The boundary still stands. The boundary of the cross still stands today. And people can say it's irrelevant, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you, you, you can interpret it your way. No, we'll interpret it the Bible's way, God's way. It's God's book. It's God's boundary. The pages in between these two black covers are the boundary lines of how we're to live and conduct ourselves. If you live outside the boundary lines of this word of God, you live outside of God's landmarks, of God's requirements, you are under a curse. Could anyone look at our world and not suggest that our world is living under a curse? From the things that are going on, the things that are happening, the concepts that seem rational to people today, that a few years ago people said, oh, there's no way that America could ever become like this. There's a curse when you remove the ancient boundaries about salvation. The wages of sin still remains death but the gift of God is still there. Amen? The gift of God is still there. And I'm not trying to beat anybody up today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, or maybe you've backslidden, you've gotten away from God, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to lift you up. I'm trying to let you know that you're living a life under a curse and the forces and the powers of God are behind it. And the enemy of your soul, Satan, is going after you with everything he has. And you have nothing to defend yourself. But God wants to give you a gift today. God wants to take you out from underneath a curse for you to step back in under God's landmark, his boundaries, and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and your sins are washed away, and the consequences of your sin are washed away, and you have your name written in heaven's logbook, and you have an eternal life guaranteed to you. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm trying to lift you up and let you know you have a hope in a cursed world. Boundary lines of salvation have been removed by many. Even some who call themselves a church. They're preaching a different Jesus today. I don't know if you've noticed it or not. It's a Jesus that doesn't judge. 
A Jesus that doesn't say what's right and wrong. A Jesus that says, oh, it's all right. Do whatever you want. A Jesus, that's not the Jesus of the Bible, folks. Someone have removed the landmarks. Didn't any of you ever used to watch those old westerns? They all, how many of you still like the, West, the old westerns? Okay. Now, any time you had a western or a series of westerns, this came into play. Now, someone was trying to get away from somebody who was after them. And they would be riding their horse up, and then they would hop off of it. And they would take some tree branches. And tell me what they did with the tree branches. They would remove the trail. And then they would try to walk that horse out in another way and lead them in a false direction. And basically, they were trying to remove the traces that they had been there. And we live in a society today, and we live among those who call themselves Christian, and yet they want to take away the landmarks that have been laid down, that this is the way you live when you're a child of God. This is what you stand for when you're a child of God. This is what the Word of God says in between the covers of this book. It's the boundaries. Some people don't like boundaries. But I would guess that you like a curse even less. The boundary still stands of the cross of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ hasn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. What he hated then, he still does. You remember the book of Revelation? Those who want to paint this new kind of Jesus obviously have not read the book of Revelation. Those who say that once you're saved, you're always saved and there's no problem have never read the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation is very clear. Jesus is speaking to John. John's on the Isle of Patmos. He's there for preaching the gospel. And Jesus appears to him and says, John, take a note, send it to the churches. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus begins giving seven letters to these churches that tell them what he stands for. He said, I know your works. Yes, he still does. And I have a few things against you. You've left this. You've stopped doing that. You need to repent and do the first works or else you're toast. You're out of here. I'm removing your lampstand from its place in heavenly array. Jesus has some standards. He has some boundaries. He has some boundaries that are still in effect. And you live outside the boundaries, you live in a curse, under a curse. Let me just give you a couple more. There's a landmark boundary line of holy living and separation from sin. And somebody has removed the landmark. Someone has removed the middle pages of this book. 
when there's no difference between how the rest of the world lives and how the church operates, somebody removed the landmark boundaries. Can I get a witness in the house? We're not to be like the world. We're to be a light to the world. We're to have higher standards, holy standards. But pastor... Look at the numbers. People are, are flocking to these other teachings because it's more comfortable and you don't have to change the way you live to follow this Pied Piper. But you know what? My Bible tells me in between the pages of this book, I find that the closer you get to Calvary, the smaller the godly crowd. The closer you get to Calvary, the smaller the godly crowd. Thousands, tens of thousands followed him. But who's there as he's impaled upon a cross between heaven and earth? John, some of the others watching from a distance, his mother, and some of the women who cared for the disciples. You cannot base your landmark on what the numbers say. Several years ago, there was a, a false prophet teacher who had his own religion, and uh, he had a million people coming to fill Yankee Stadium and the grounds and everything else as he proclaimed himself to be the incarnate Messiah. He had the numbers, but he was under a curse, and he died in shame. Folks, whether it's Sung Yin Moon or some other person or somebody who says that uh, these, these, these old-fashioned rules, they don't apply anymore. We, we've got to blend in to the world. No, no. We were studying a couple weeks ago on Wednesday morning. Jesus said, I want you in the world. I don't want you of it. John 17 is his great high priestly prayer. He's not saying, God, take them out of the world. Keep them in the world, but don't let the world be in them. There's got to be a difference between God's people and the people of the world. The Bible says, come apart and be separate and touch not the, the unclean thing. But everyone wants to be a part of a group that has no standards. We want to look like the world. We want to talk like the world. We want to, oh, that, I got to stop there from, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I really am. But when you use God's name in such a way as an exclamation, 
rather than a prayer. I have a problem with that. I have a problem when, oh God, seems to be an appropriate response. I remember having my mouth washed out with soap when I was growing up. I've told you before, my mom had very strict rules. We couldn't even use gosh. I got soap in the mouth for gosh one time. Darn. That'll get you life, boy. A little bit of... I'm glad liquid soap was not around when I was growing up. But I remember one time making an exclamation and I'd hit my thumb with a hammer and I said, Jesus. And my mom came in. That better have been a prayer. <laughs> I'm praying I don't get whipped. <laughs> Folks, the church should not be like the world in how we treat the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We need to watch our tongue. I know that's unpopular. We want to look like the world. We want to talk like the world. We want to act like the world. We want to party like the world. We want to dress like the world. We want to cohabitate like the world. We want to drink like the world. We want to get high like the world. But when you step out of the boundary lines of holy living, from God's book. You are under a, say it with me, curse. We're under a curse. Don't remove the ancient landmarks. It's time for the church, for not just the church, but the living church, your life and mine, to become holy again. That the world sees a difference in how you live and conduct yourself in what you listen to and how you respond. Don't try to be a part of the party. Be someone that lets them see there's a different way that if you live between the pages of the book, between the covers of this book, come inside the landmark boundaries and be blessed or live outside and be under a curse. Another ancient landmark we've talked about it many times is the landmark of human life has been removed devalued people are paying millions of dollars I told you before I'm not trying to be political I'm not, I'm not a political person I'm just trying to let you know people want to hijack our heartbeat bill our heartbeat rule in Ohio when there's a heartbeat, there, that's life. You can't touch it. They want to come in and say, well, you know, uh, if we just get a simple majority, we can overturn that and put it in law, and it'll be tougher to override it. And they say, oh, those nasty people that want to raise the bar to 60% vote, this is coming up Tuesday. Research has found that every one of those liberal organizations 
who are against raising the standard of a constitutional amendment, they're against raising it to 60%. Every one of their bylaws requires, guess how much, to change a bylaw rule? 60%. What a bunch of hypocrites. What a bunch of hypocrites. Folks, it is truly a life and death matter. It's not about politics. I don't care what party or if you're not even in a party, if you're an independent, whatever that means. You need to vote life. Amen. And parental rights, you need to vote that. They want to take that away as well. Well, a simple majority, we can, we can get all kinds of things accomplished here. Kid, kids don't have to have any uh, parental approve, approval to do certain things. Taking it out. You know, that's what Hitler did. He took it out of the hands of the parents. And look what that got us in World War II. Human life. It's been blurred. The landmark. The boundaries. We wonder why our streets are flooded with people who are killing each other because they got upset in a fight. A boyfriend and a girlfriend are having a spat. The boyfriend pulls a gun because life's cheap. If you can take it when it's first started, those of you who have a few years on you, it's a small step to taking it when you've got a lot of years on you. If they're willing to take a life at its inception and kill it, folks, it's murder. It's a short walk to say in some of us who aren't able to produce as we once did, well, why don't we just get rid of them too? It's a short walk. The ancient landmark boundaries of human life have been removed, and we're, our cities and our families are living under a curse of God. If we don't protect the unborn, where does it stop? Who did, how many of you would like to kind of be protected in your old age if you're getting a little feeble? Some of us are already there. Life becomes cheap. It's murder. Don't call it abortion. We talked about that last week. It's murder. Our nation is under a curse for our actions and for our inactions. Now, I got one more here. They've removed the ancient boundaries of male and female, and folks were under a curse. You can change your birth certificate in some states. Oh, that's on the agenda, the liberal agenda as well. Simple choice, male or female. Now it's other. Or we'll wait till somebody gets to a certain age where they decide, well, I'm not liking how that's turning out. We'll change it. So the birth certificate becomes a non-entity in validating who you are. The landmark boundaries have not moved. 
in the beginning God created male and female and that's the way it is but there's confusion well there's always been a lot of confusion but when you get inside the covers of this book the confusion can stop and when we go according to God's rules you say well that's the rules I'm going to live inside the boundaries you will operate under a blessing and not a curse humankind is still the same that God created it nothing new has happened fools have removed that ancient landmark and you get to choose how you feel like today surgically change what has not changed they've removed the ancient landmarks and we're under our society is under a curse since this onslaught became more prevalent, the suicide rate has gone up, not down. We were told by the liberal scholars that, well, because of identity crisis, they're, they're committing suicide. Well, now that the gates have been opened, suicide has gone up, not down. Because when you operate outside the covers of this book, when you remove the ancient landmarks, you're under what? A curse. What's the answer? What can we do? How can we, our lives come out from underneath a curse? First of all, return to where you belong inside the boundaries of this holy book. Return to God's ways. Not people's plans and ideas. I know this is radical. I know this is really tough. But read more of God's word than any other book you read. If we fill ourselves with God's word, it's going to come out through every pore of our being. God's ways, God's plans, God's purposes, God's holiness. Come back inside the boundaries. Get back inside God's territory. Because inside God's territory is God's blessing. How many of you could use a good blessing from the Lord? How many of you could stand to have God just open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you just can't hardly understand how you could receive it. Amen. When we step on inside God's boundaries, when we act according to his word, God's blessings begin to flow. You say, well, you know, people seem to be getting away with this only for a period of time. The curse will come. It will happen. But know this. The blessings can come too. Secondly, we need to live like a child of the king as a testimony to the world. A city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. A light that's not under a bushel. We need to be a, a living example. It's not a, here, look at me. No, it's live and they'll see the light. It's not a show. It's not a, some production 
that you're an act that you're putting on. It's living the life between the covers of this book in such a way that when I line myself up with God's boundaries and God's landmarks, then people will see there's a difference in that life than other lives I'm seeing. You're walking through a difficult time, but you, you're not affected by it. It's because I'm walking under the blessings of God and not under the curse. I'm God's property. I'm a child of the king. I need to live differently than a child of the world. Do not remove the ancient landmarks. Salvation. Holy living. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. Squirrels. <laughs> Don't remove the ancient landmarks. Step inside the boundaries of this book. God's anointed holy word that's been preserved for you. Inside the boundaries that God has set. Are you tired of living in a sin-cursed world? Step inside to the boundaries of God's word and let the blessings begin to fall upon your life. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Step inside the boundaries of the book. In, inside the boundaries of this book, we find how to live, how to what our attitudes ought to be towards the things that are going on in the world. But you know, in order to know the boundaries, I take you back to my initial story. I had to look at those boundaries numerous times so that I could know exactly where our land up at Heartland started and where it ended. It was not a one and done. Believe me, it was not a one and done. People would come up and they would say, well, what about that parcel over there? I, I got to go check the boundaries. And I'd go out in my little golf cart and I'd get over there. Yep, there it is. It's still there right where we left it. Ours is over here. Theirs is over there. We don't have any right to tell you about anything over there. This is our property of, of Heartland and the assemblies, assemblies of God. Folks, it's not a one and done. Some of you have been saved for a brief time. Some of you have been saved and following the Lord for many years. But each of us needs a refresher course on God's landmarks. We've been corrupted by the world around us to seeing things differently than the way God says they are. This is the book that matters. This is the only opinion that counts. Because he is the judge. He issues blessings and curses. I want to be blessed. How about you? Would you stand with me? I want to be blessed. Stand with me. As we bring to a
close this part of God's word, we are going to come to the defining place where the boundaries were set and established, the cross of Jesus Christ, as we remember his sacrifice. If there was any other way, he would have taken it. But he had to die for the sins of the whole world, and it's only through Jesus Christ that you and I have salvation. Amen. It's a boundary line that cannot afford to be moved. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we see the blurring of the boundaries and landmarks that you've established in your word. Even in churches, even among professing Christians, we're asking, Father, for you to take us again and show us where the boundaries are. How to be inside the framework of your anointing. To be in the world and not of the world. To be a light in a darkened place. To be under blessing and not under the curse. And Father God, We pray for those that are blurred with the boundaries. That they've given in to the compromises of this world. Father God, help us to be a special people. Set apart, holy unto you. Your word tells us that we were all called to be saints, holy unto you in an unholy world. Help us to be different than we were before. Pull our lives today inside the covers of the word of God. Let us bring every thought into captivity. Every philosophy and idea, help us to lay it at the foot of the cross and allow your word to guide and direct us. Father, the world will allow many things, but we're not about the world, we're about you and your word. Meet with your people today in a sovereign way. And Lord, as we share in communion in just a little bit, take us back to the cross as the main boundary line and help us to bow again. And thank you all over again for our salvation and for the blessings that come because of it. Meet with your people today. In those lives that the boundaries have become obscured, cut through them today, Father, around this altar. I pray, Father, 
were a blessed people in a cursed world. I ask it in Jesus' name. I believe the Holy Spirit has been talking to some hearts today. need to tighten up on the boundaries. You don't know how to respond to certain situations. The Holy Spirit can help you. He'll guide you into truth. But if there's any here today that say, I want to walk and live and thrive inside the boundaries of the covers of this book. Guide me, Lord. Order my steps in your word that I might praise your name. The altar's open right now. I invite you to come for a time of prayer. I invite you to come for a time of decision. It would be great for whole families to come together and say, as for me and my house, we're going to live in the covers of this book. As the song of invitation is played, you just step out and come and find a place of prayer. We are going to be going to remember what Jesus did for us in a little while, but we're not going to rush. We're going to make sure It's a call today to live inside the pages of God's holy word. To live under blessing and not a curse. I'm done. Would you come? Arise, my Lord. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. Hallelujah. When we live on inside the covers of this book, we live under the blessing of his touch. We'd love to pray with you today the needs that you have, prayer for healing, prayer for God's intervention in your situation. As people of the book, we can expect God's touch, God's leadership, God's guidance. The brethren are here to pray with you and believe God with you.
This is an open communion. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're invited to participate. You do not have to be a member of this church, local church. But if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're a part of the church that matters. The church that he said he will build and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so you're invited to partake of the bread and the cup and remember what Jesus did at Calvary for us. But I'd be quick to add, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you have nothing to remember. So I ask you to refrain. If you don't know him, you can't know the joy of sins forgiven. If you don't know him today, why would you want to remember what he did? It's not a ritual that gives you salvation. It's an act of remembering the price that Jesus paid for your sins and for mine. It's a family thing, the family of God. The brethren are going to pass amongst you and share the emblems of the bread and the cup. We ask that you hold in, in your hands until all have been served, and then we'll receive together. And as we're passing these emblems throughout the congregation, could you think back to when you first met Jesus? 
when he forgave your sins, came into your life, and give him thanks.
if there was any other way. Don't you think God would have taken it? If there was a simple means of saving the whole world that did not involve his only begotten son, Jesus, he would have taken it. But there was no other way. No cheap salvation. It cost everything. And we remember that today as we take these emblems in our hand. The bread and the cup remind us the full commitment of Jesus Christ to your salvation and mine. Don't cheapen it. Don't allow others to suggest that there's another way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus took the bread that night of the Passover meal. He broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, as I say to you, take and eat. And remember his body was broken that you might be made whole. Scripture tells us that likewise after the meal, he took the cup. He explained to his disciples, this is my blood shed for you and for many for the full payment of sin. I love that line, that statement, for many. We're a part of the many that have come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and he washed our sins away with his own blood. He's granted eternal life. So as you take and drink this cup, give him praise for saving you. We are the bearers of the message of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. But as we remind ourselves, as we wrap our hands around that cup, that empty cup, to remind us of the tomb that's empty still, we are ones who are committed to sharing the good news of his resurrection power, to overcome this world. He tells us, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I commission you this day to live between the covers of God's holy word, inside the boundaries, the landmarks that he has established, and take the message of his death, burial, and resurrection to everyone around because there's no other way to be saved except through him. Father, I pray your blessing upon this company as we go from this place that we go as vessels with a message, lights 
not under a bushel, but out for all to see, that the boundaries of your children are different than the boundaries of the world. And let our light so shine among men that they may see the good works and glorify you, Father God. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Go with God, and he will go with you. Thank you. 